It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Natalie E. West, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you. I'm very excited. Thanks. Natalie West, life is peaceful there. (laughs) Where? Go West, life is peaceful there. Well, actually kind of allows me to understand my East from my West, so now I know. Never really successful at school with that. Why is that important, do you think? knowing which way you're supposed to go in life. I think it's more about your internal GPS really, isn't it? Trusting that, trusting your internal GPS when sometimes us humans, we don't do that. We tend to look outside of ourselves for our guidance, which as we know sometimes does not take us down the right direction. Well, my internal GPS I think led me towards you and, and we were introduced by our good friend Martin Gillespie who <laughs> shout out to you Martin <laughs> and uh, we, we were introduced uh, no more than a couple of months ago and already you've had a profound impact on my life which we'll go into at a later date but for those who don't know who you are who's Natalie West when she's at home? I am a mum of two so I'd like to kind of say that that's who I am a part of me is being a mum. But professionally, I'm a self-image specialist. So I've worked in the space of being a self-image specialist and background clinical psychotherapist for over 20 years, which I love, absolutely adore. I know that I had to ask this question, so I'm going to ask you because I know people will be asking, can you explain exactly what a psychotherapist does and is? Yes, absolutely. So I started originally being a clinical hypnotherapist. So just to kind of, I guess, take you back a little bit. I was in corporate land for 20 plus years, but had always known that the mind fascinated me and being in sales too, that was also a fascinating thing as to why people would say yes and human behaviour. So it always kind of, I think that's how I was born to be, but again, your pathways take you where you need to go. And then I had my children and then I'm like, you know what, I actually don't work for anybody else anymore. Um, what can I do? And I went down the route of being a psychologist. And for me, my again, my internal GPS was like, no, I'm not really sure if that's for me. Uh, went to a seminar, met a clinical, a clinical psychotherapist there, and just the minute that I heard him speak about the power of understanding our unconscious mind, conscious mind, and also our body energetically, the picture just was sealed for me. Uh, and then secondly, on top of that, he was also an orthomecular nutritionist. So, again. An ortho what the heck? Orthomecular nutritionist. What's that? Is that your eyes? 
Well, it sounds like it, doesn't it? But no, it's actually um, the chemical structures that you actually make up your body. So as humans, we're, we're huh? a chemical factory. Yeah. So he also led me down the path of understanding that you can't just talk to a starving brain. You also have to understand the foundation of what you're fueling yourself with, not just visually or auditory, but also what you're putting in your mouth. So that was a two-hour, like, mind-blown for me when I met him, and he'd become a very good mentor of mine. However, the work that he was doing, he was like, you know what, Natalie, you've got to go back to study and you really need to understand, you know, clinical hypnosis, clinical hypnotherapy, uh, auditory and visual hypnotherapy. And I'm like, whoa, okay, six-month-old child working full-time. But I was just like, this was such a pull for me that I didn't, didn't even think about not doing it. Yeah. Wow. It's something that I've heard the name mentioned many times over my life, psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. I've never met anyone who was a psychotherapist. I've had experiences with psychologists, which have had wonderful impacts on me. Yeah, yeah. But what is the, the distinct difference between what a psychologist might do and what a psychotherapist might do? Yeah. So again, depending on their training. So a lot of psychology models will all be based on cognitive behavioral therapy, so CBT therapy. And a lot of them don't utilize the connection between nutrition and the gut and how the brain works um and also too they don't really understand it in depth unless you've been trained in it around the real power of unconscious programming and our what i call our pre-cognitive commitment phase which is between zero to seven but in me doing what i've done i've also stepped into being that self-image specialist so teaching people how their minds work why they do what they do um, to really help and give the tools and the strategies for people to understand that you don't have to be in therapy for the next 20 or 30 years uh, your mind's actually very smart and it'll change pretty quickly once given the right direction <laughs> we will definitely go into that uh, later in this this interview yeah why is self-image so important in the work that you do well, a lot of the time when I'm working with people or they seek me out, they'll always say, look, this is happening in my life, whether it's anxiety or depression or relationship issues, um, and they're all symptoms of a poor and conflicted self-image. So a lot of the time, especially psychotherapy work, this is about treating the root cause, not just 20 different symptoms, which keeps you in therapy for 20 years, talking about the same things over and over. Um, now, also connecting it's the power of understanding your self-image and how that's developed is from your authority figures between the ages zero to seven so your self-image is everything that you see about yourself how you feel about yourself everything from the way you look to how you sound to your education and that literally from an unconscious point will push your behavior all of your life if you're operating in a very poor and conflicted state, which most human beings are. Like I've been in this, this way for 20 years and it's very rare that I meet anyone that's operating from their positive self-image. I'm curious to know, Nat, what is like the, these people these the, on the rare occasion that you do meet that are really well self-developed or self-actualised, whatever, are they normally succeeding in all areas in their life? No, they're not. Um, you know, you can have someone that operates from a positive self-image, but you're still going to have levels that are unconscious that'll come into protection mode or, um, you know, especially in relationships. Like one of the big core people that I work with, um, everything that we are taught as children, everything's externalised, yeah? So the most important relationship you must have is the one with yourself. 
And you can be in a positive state of self-image, say, in your business or in your lifestyle, but when it comes back to self, that's the one that pops up from an unconscious and it's conflicted and poor generally most of the time because we are validated and we are taught to validate ourselves and our worth externally. So as a kid, what's the first thing you hear? Love and relationships is external. So even if I ask you now, even if you're with your listeners, if I say think about the word relationship, where does your mind go? Well, honestly, it goes to my current relationship. Mm. Mm. So, but it's external. Yeah. Not with myself. No. There wasn't even any consideration about myself. No. At all. No. That's the most important relationship that we need for everything outside to be able to be at some form of balance. So if you're happy to, let's use the work that you and I did together as a test case. Yeah. So to give you some context, I've been very open about my challenges with sugar, been able to conquer drinking, gambling and drugs and philandering and negative self-talk and limiting beliefs uh, for the most part. Yeah. There's still new ones that creep in when you yeah. start levelling up. But sugar yeah. sugar was the thing that sort of kept at me and I know there's chemical compounds in it that make it way more addictive than any of the cocaine I ever put up my nose or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the work that you and I did a few weeks ago, it's only early days. Yeah. But I'm now at time of recording Eight days, sugar-free. I'm talking about any kind of fruit, sugar, and everything. Down four kilos, which is no shock, just given how fast it goes. And we explored some areas of my life that I didn't even think were going to be relevant to this. Mm. Why why did that work? Are you able to shed maybe more light about what we did and how why it was effective? Yeah, so a lot of the time we consciously believe that we know what the issue is. But until we understand, so, you know, when I took you through that process of saying, you know, do you actually understand how your mind works and how it's been programmed, um, which most people, including yourself, say no. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> no one does. Um, so basically what we do, we work with the symptoms firstly, so we get an idea of how that looks, what that feels like. But your unconscious mind connected back to your self-image around, you know, well, if I eat sugar, what is that covering? You know, is it a part of my self-image that I'm not seeing for myself that I'm too scared to put out to the public? So what will happen is your mind is always designed to protect you, regardless if it is or isn't. So as you know, you can have behaviours, for example, whether it's drinking, sugar, whatever it may be, that is the symptom of a poor and conflicted self-image that needs to be explored and your mind needs to understand, well, hold on, why am I holding on to this? Is this serving me at the highest good? No, it's not. But without the permission of the unconscious and what you actually want it to do, it will never change. So it's the same thing when you hear people say, look, I know what's really good for me, but I just can't help it and I keep doing the same things over and over and over. And a lot of people then will say, well, there's something wrong with me, like I must be broken. No, you just haven't got to the unconscious belief structures your value systems around your self-worth and from an unconscious point, the sugar was being at a higher value than your self-image. It's so interesting because the it was this, almost a sabotage because one of the, uh, the really important parts of my life is to be representative of 
what I suppose and, and the, the information that I like to interview you and talk to people about yeah. with my health journey. And I don't feel I can be as effective as I can be uh, if I'm not an appropriate weight. Well, the other word that pops up with that, which we did speak about, was imposter syndrome. So that's a pretty big element of most human beings. When we have a certain perception, again, external perception of how we should look, how we should sound, walk, talk, based on what we're presenting to the world. So if there's a conflict in that, that's where the issue starts. And then you feel like that there's two of you in there. One of you is going, yes, I can do this, and the other one's going, no, 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 no. That will always win out. Who are some of the the more famous or more well-known psychotherapists that people might know? Uh, Carl Jung, he's, he's passed away now. Uh, Yapko, um, a lot of them are, real, uh, you know, uh, um, author Mecula as well in that. So, you know, Abram Hoffer, uh, Linus Pauling, uh, Andrew Saul, he's a doctor out of America. Um, so if you look, to, look at most well-known psychotherapists, there's always a link back to some level of um, behavioural and malnutrition um, experience. It's so interesting. And, and that the importance of uh, nutrition uh, is something that we can probably talk about now as well because, uh, incidentally, in, in addition to being an image consultant, therapist and psychotherapist, you're also a 12-month carnival. I am. How's I that working am. out for you? Amazing. Life-changing. Now, now, in order to try and keep this subjective, I'm, I'm going to ask Natalie some honest questions here. Yeah. yeah. I want you to be 100% authentic with me. Yeah. When you say it's amazing, yeah. do you actually mean amazing? 100%. Why is Without it amazing? Why is oh it amazing? Gosh. So a bit of my background, I, I was a bodybuilder for many, many years, so competitive, and I had always been ingrained to eat every three hours to keep my metabolism up and eat your high carbs, low fat. But I, I'd always found that I was always hungry, like just and hangry, and then in the bodybuilding industry, that's kind of a bit of a fun thing. It's like, oh, we're a bit hangry today. It's like, no, that's actually not good. Uh, but it wasn't until a year ago when I went through COVID and I was a bit slack. I'd not touched gluten and wheat for years because I knew it didn't agree with me. Um, and I ended up waking up one morning and half my face was numb. And I'm like, mm, something's wrong. And I thought maybe it might have been stress from COVID and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so I'm like, no, I better go get that checked out. And then funnily enough, the doctor was quite switched on, which I was really grateful for. He goes, I think you've got a neurological response to all the sourdough that you've been eating in lockdown. Um, I'm like, oh, he goes, I think you might be celiac. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went and had my test and it came back positive. So knew straight away, get back off it. However, when I got home, I started Googling just about lectins and things like that. And then my most awesomest human being that I'm just like literally, he's like a rock star to me, uh, is Dr. Paul Mason. So he's a little video. As former you know, guest of the podcast, former shout guest. out Paul Mason. People, people are my rock stars. I, 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 I Paul Mason a is star. a rock star. He is a rock star. He is a goddamn oh, rock star. Oh, my God, he's amazing. Now I sound like an absolute weirdo. Um, but <laughs> Justifiable. But he is, you know that. Just phenomenal man. Um, so a little video came up of him and talking about the damage of 
plants and anti-nutrients and I'm, and I'd also obviously come from a nutritional background so for me I was in cognitive dissonance pretty much straight away I'm like what and he was just like you know meat is where you need to be from a amino acid point and I'd taken red meat out of my diet very common especially with women long time um, you thought you're doing the right thing, presumably. I did. And, and being a bodybuilder, they're like, you know, you don't need red meat. And then you kind of really get a bit miscued with people thinking that they know the brain capacity and what your gut needs. No, wrong. <laughs> I always ask questions. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. 30 days, nothing else to do. And I'm like, I haven't eaten meat pro- for probably over four years, right? Tuna and chicken and all that rubbish. Um I just went right. Two weeks, I had the you know the gut balance. The keto flu, <laughs> usually explosive diarrhea or yeah, constipation. Pants, um, very common. But I did know. I I'd researched for three hours, and I'm like, you know what? And then I found Dr. Sean Baker and everyone else, and I'm just like, wow, this is actually a thing, right? And the more I read into it, I'm like, wow, this actually makes sense now. So two weeks in keto flu, all that kind of thing. But then, oh, my Lord, it was just like this fire and this light that had just switched on and just a whole new level of vibration that I'd never experienced. And, you know, I was a pretty fit person, but internally what that did for my body and my brain, and I haven't looked back, I'm zero carb. So zero carb, no sugar, full carnivore, um, yeah. So what's a day of eating look like for you? What, what have you eaten in the last 72 hours? <laughs> so I go between two meals to OMAD. So OMAD's like one meal a day. One meal a day, yeah. So OMAD was yesterday. So I had a uh, T-bone and I had a scotch fillet and I also had a piece of water house with onions Oh, my God. But, but Natalie, uh, all that red meat, you must be so bunged up. No, fibre is like the Easter Bunny and Santa doesn't exist. Does not exist. Does not exist. It's just literally waste material. Um, and, again, I've not touched a plant for um, yeah, over, over a year. And my blood, so I also was really smart. I just thought, you know what, I know my LDL is going to go up. I'm not going to go to my normal GP because I know it's going to happen. So I found a carnival doctor in Melbourne and he pulled my bloods from a year before and then my bloods from my, you know, being a carnivore and they were like worlds apart. Just being a carnivore for me was just through the roof. Do you remember roughly what the numbers were? So my ferritin originally. Yeah, um, it's urine. Yes, urine, which was 35. Now I was eating spinach every day, three times a day. Right? It went up to 85. Fun fact, spinach, <laughs> although incredibly high in iron, non-heme iron, non-heme. which is the iron that you need to be able to synthesise everything important, is the oxalate uh, that is trapped around all the iron in the spinach basically doesn't get absorbed at all. And that's another amazing um, tool that I've learned and educated myself with, with plants, and, you know, they do stop absorption. Um, and as human beings, we're, not, we're actually not designed to eat them. It's the same thing with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That that's again a myth. Um, so I've totally and, and I worked out the reason why I was hungry all the time was I was actually going into being insulin resistant. 
What's that? So basically having so many carbohydrates with every meal uh, and my blood sugar going up and down, up and down, up and down. So whenever it dropped, my body was not utilising my own fat stores because it was always using the external glucose to feed me. Uh, And I was just constantly always looking for food. So I'd eat for an hour and you'd have a sweet potato and tuna and all that. Within an hour, I'd be like, all right, now I've got to eat how long, you know. It was terrible. That has all gone. I don't think about food. I only eat when I'm hungry. I eat till I'm satiated. I don't crave anything. I sleep well. Um, I'm still training in the gym and my actual training has gone through the roof as well. Uh, Don't wear glasses anymore. My asthma's disappeared and I have no more allergies, which I've had all my life. This is so wonderful to hear and uh, not uncommon in this community as well. And just for full disclosure, like these aren't your thoughts either. Like these are replicated by people like Dr. Paul Mason. And if you go through any other part of the channel, you'll see interviews with lots of other uh, doctors that are experts in this. Yes. Um, Clinical psychiatrists. Yeah, like Dr. Georgia Eade. Georgia Eade. She's a psychiatrist and, you know, her her work around plants and anti-nutrients and the damaging, um, you know, that it does. And we have been so indoctrinated to believe that, you know, they're a part of a a human diet, um, which actually don't need them to function. And, you know, I, I also have people in the bodybuilding industry I'm still obviously in contact with, and the first thing that they will say to me is, like, oh, you need sugar and glucose for your brain. I'm like, yeah, nah, um, that's what your liver's for. <laughs> it's called glucogenesis. Gluconeogenesis, so, yeah. yeah. And, and your so the body creates its own sugar that it, that it needs for that part of the brain function, and the rest of the body just runs on on ketones. Correct. And And if I had known what a fat-adapted human felt like, oh, my gosh, I would have, you know, would have wanted to do this years ago Um, because, again, like you said, this is not just me. This is thousands and thousands of people around the world that are um, operating in this way. A lot of people say, Matt, that, you know, oh, it's just the fact that you, uh, you know, you get a positive mindset and, uh, yeah, using that power of thought, which is very powerful, but what would your argument, what would your counter-argument to that be? Well, being in the industry I'm in, and I'd always understood, you know, like I'd had my flat spots, you know, many years as we all do, we go through anxiety or depression or whatever it may be given on what's going on. Um, But your, I always call our gut really is our first brain. Um, So, again, if you you can think really really positive, but if your brain's not being fired with the right neurotransmitters from what you're actually filling your gut with, um, doesn't matter how much powerful thinking or thoughts or positive thinking that you do, it just does not work. And I know myself, as I said before, I've been in this industry a long time. I'm a very positive person, and I've always been that way. But the level of vibrational shift internally. Um, and the groundedness is probably that's probably the best word I can use. Being a carnivore, it's just so grounded. What, explain that feeling of being grounded for people. Uh, just you just feel level. Like we all have stresses in our lives, but I'll say between my experience between now and in the past, it just doesn't. It's like a bit of a speed hump, and that's it, and it's gone. Um, I can rationalize a lot easier because also too, 
blood sugar is just even. You're not having all these weird spikes all the time from eating sugar and processed foods and um, your gut just doesn't like it and then your brain. And I've even got clients that literally since being carnivore have seen a shift in me and I've introduced and helped them introduce red meat back into their diet and fat doesn't make you fat, by the way. <laughs> That's really important because um, otherwise I would just be not be able to sit on this couch right now with all the amount of fat. Yeah, that for long, yeah. Correct. Um, and, and just even from a mental health point, like I've just got like a 14-year-old girl who was very, very not in a great space, uh, wasn't eating, um, eating really high-processed cereals and sugars, and I might say to her, you know what, as much as you're coming here and we're, we're making progress, but if you just add this in, you are going to feel phenomenal. It took her about six weeks and one day she showed up and I saw her and her just her eyes were whiter, her skin was better, she'd been sleeping better, um, and she just said to me, she goes, just feel better. But, yeah. This is so great. Now, there was a lady who's a good friend of mine who... Uh, her name's Deborah Dickinson. She'd be more than happy for me to share the story. Yeah. She's a um, in her fifties now. She's a Maori woman from New Zealand who witnessed her mother when she was a young girl get run over and killed in front of her eyes, and uh, by a relative by mistake, mm-hmm. and grew up in a once were warriors like oh, environment, yeah, which yeah. was indicative of a lot of like Maori and Pacific Island people in New Zealand, but. When we first had a conversation about it, I didn't hear anything from her for a year. And then all of a sudden she rings me up and she says, Laven, I've lost 25 kilos. But the most important thing was she said, I feel connected, yes. grounded is yes. the word she used for the first time in my life. Yeah. Now, I know I know the feeling that you're talking about. I know it can be a little bit hard to explain yeah. to, to people that haven't had a chance to experience, but even the first engagement that you and I had where we met in person, met for coffee that time, was like the that vibrational energy. Whether you believe in this stuff or not, it was undeniable. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, being a part of this community and, and you just vibrate towards certain people, right? And you know, the minute you're in someone's space, you're like, oh, you know, you're, you're fueling yourself correctly because I can feel you, I can see you. And and even though the energy you feel, even though kind of it's very heightened and it's but it's very it's very grounded, but you're up. It, it's it's very difficult to explain. But you know, when you talk to carnival to carnival, people get it. But again, goes back to anthropology of a human proper diet this is where we evolve from you know and even with you know people that you've interviewed before with dr james mickey like you know sugar is disastrous for your eyesight you mm-hmm. know and, and and humans are just getting worse and worse and what i see from a mental health point you know people are getting worse and it's not because of a lack of medication because i'm telling you what there's a lot of that out there mm-hmm. This comes back to, and that's the reason why I work the way I do, I don't treat symptoms. Let's get to the root cause and your body will heal itself if you give it the right environment and giving it cereals and processed foods and um, seed oils. Oh, plant oils, my goodness. Like that opens your eyes from an inflammatory point. Um, You know, you talk about canola and safflower and 
rice, rice bran and uh, soybean oil. Even with olive oil. Bean oil, some, some olive oils as well. Yeah. Anything that's certainly cooked or heated. Yep, and sometimes contaminated with canola oil. Yeah. But also, too, they're in um, see-through glass containers. Like that's oxidising straight away. So a proper olive oil is meant to be in a dark container in the dark. Yeah, um, like a dark green. Correct. Yeah. yeah, but you're not meant to cook with it either. No. Because it oxidises at a high smoke point. Um, so I cook in lard. Which has got one of the highest smoke points at all. Yeah. I have to ask this question. We've spoken about a lot of the real positive benefits of doing this. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. is there any bad part that's happened out of this? Do you know what? I always hear people saying, you know, it's quite restrictive. But I guess I know how I operate from my own self-image and I've always fueled my body to make me feel good. I've never you and this is a really important thing around programming when it comes to food. So, you know, it, it we are as humans programmed to use food as a comfort or a source when we're angry or depressed or whatever. Yeah. I've never done that purely because I know I value how I feel. I don't see it restrictive at all. Um at all. That doesn't even come into my vocabulary. Um the the level of how I feel and even just with my bloods shows me enough to know that my body is being optimally fed. Um, I've never eaten with my eyes. That's another thing that us humans tend to, <laughs> to get programmed with. Um, some people say, well, oh, you know, a bit of spinach is not going to hurt you. And I'm like, well, for a start, I've reduced, as you would know, um, your pesticides and herb um, herbicide. Fungicides as well. To zero. So none of that's going on your body? Nope, none. It's so wonderful to be able to share this, this kind of uh, story with you and, and hear your story as well because trying to explain if people only knew how good they could feel, yes. I think if you could give them an injection of how you feel right now, mm. it, that'd be stronger than, than fentanyl or oh, heroin. Like Honestly, it's you're so right because I work with so many people that are we, we – we're conditioned to feel at a certain level, right, and this is the best it gets. And unfortunately too, sometimes, you know, and I will use the medical world as an example, you know, when I hear doctors say that nutrition doesn't affect mental health or, you know what, that's just in your genes, it just it, it really disappoints me because it's really disempowering that person to say, well, hold on, what am I doing right now that's actually allowing me to feel the way that I feel? internally by eating a high-processed sugar-based diet and allow yourself to feel how you can actually really, really feel as a human being. But, again, it does come back to some unconscious programming around, um, well, who am I without feeling down here? And I always say that with people who maybe have long-term anxiety and starting to add meat back into their diet um, they're like, oh, it feels scary. So your unconscious mm -hmm. mind is going to have this reaction of, well, I don't know who I am without all these things. I don't know how to feel without these things, um, which is huge for people. It is. For anyone that's seen Bradley Cooper's movie Limitless, when he first takes the NZT, that's how I feel every day it when is, I do it, this. It is a phenomenal human. Like you feel like a superhuman. 
and I and that may sound really weird to people, but it, it, it's true. That's how you feel, and you feel creative, like just so creative, and just. And I think for people too, the thought of just not thinking of food because you're just being nutritionally fed, which I can absolutely empathise with as well. Uh, I ate my first meal about twelve thirty pm today. It's now. I think probably close to 2.30 maybe, 3.30. Uh, I did a, an eight-kilometre run fasted. I had my last meal yesterday at 2 p.m., which was like six meat patties from grill, and I had two ribeye steaks for lunch today. Um, I am so done. And that's probably 600 grams worth of steak. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my appetite's been decreasing a little bit. Okay. Um, of late, we sort of spoke offline about this um, from where I first went when my yes. body was repairing itself. Yes. yes. Now I feel like it's replenished. And, you know, you talk about bodybuilding. Like I, I do a bit of body weight stuff, but I'm not really pumping any iron at all. It, it's quite interesting. I've changed my way of, of training since since eating the way I do now. Um, what do you and, do now? What do you do now? Well, literally, I probably I just don't go as heavy um, because I'm obviously just fully fat adapted now, and it kind of really just also too it shifts the mindset around why I was training. Um, so I wasn't training to burn off the sugar or the carbohydrates that I was eating to maintain my muscle. So that's the other thing too. It's quite interesting when they're like, but you need sugar to grow or carbohydrates to grow your muscle. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not true. Incorrect. Incorrect. There's just so much research now that just, this is not this is not a surprise. Like there's so many people, um, specialists and doctors and, you know, talking about even if you went, you know, low carb into carnivore, like just even getting your carbohydrate down to significantly changes your mental health um, and just how you operate. You can just bounce out of bed. Like before eating this way, I would kind of struggle to get out of bed by 7, 7.30. I'm waking up at 5 a.m., right, bang, out of bed. It's exactly the time I woke up this morning. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, and this is something to really important to highlight, I think, because you talk about two things, the, the lack of, um, desire thinking about food yeah. because you associate it, yeah. but think about the extra time that you've gained by not sleeping as long and not yes. spending time fatigued or whatever. Absolutely. What are those hours add up to? Like, oh it must God, be at least extra five hours, I reckon a day. Like, you're talking about some serious time that you're getting yeah. back. And that's the one thing that we can't buy, get back. No. And other thing, incorporating fasting, which is such a powerful tool, again, you know, where we're so conditioned to say that, you know, oh, if, you, if, you, if you fast too much, your metabolism is going to drop. And if you don't eat every three hours, you, your metabolism is going to slow down. Like, again, not correct. Um, and I think... One of the biggest things that I could probably give people advice-wise is when you're presented with information, that's probably going to give you a little bit of like, what? Same thing with when people say you don't eat plants. I'm like, yeah, no. And then they're like, are you going to get sick? I'm like, well, do I look sick? <laughs> no. Do I look like I've got no energy? No. But for anyone that's listening and is obviously, you know, watched your podcast before, if you're hearing the same message and you're not feeling good and something's not clicking, just look at it, you know, 
everyone can give you as much information as you can, but just don't disregard it because it's giving you a bit of cognitive distance around your programming and what you believe. So it's about unlearning. Like I had to unlearn a lot. And I think this is the other thing. If you can't change your unlearning or you don't change your mind around this nutritional factor, you're not doing yourself a really good service at all. It's 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 such an important point as well. And I remember watching Dr. Sean Baker's interview on Joe Rogan. It was like uh, in late 2017 mm. that I first saw it. And I remember thinking, this is horseshit. This is crazy. This is it. <laughs> and, and I was already aware of... Uh, Dr. Chris Cresser, who's a functional medicine yes, guy, yes. who put me on the right path with cutting gluten and then yep. coming off my PPIs and uh, my, my heartburn medication that I've been on for 17 years. And I don't know what sparked. I went keto first, which was still pretty meat-based, and I'd never eliminated meat out of my yeah. diet, thank God. Yeah. But just one thing I would encourage people to do is to scrape below the surface of what you are told because look at history. Look at all of the things that have come out that have been proved to be wrong. They thought thalidomide was a really effective morning sickness drug. Look um, how well that worked out. Tobacco, smoking. Tobacco was prescribed by doctors. Mm. Ansel Keys promoted low-fat. And I was, I was at a burger joint eating meat patties and cheese the other day and they had reruns of 80s commercials and they were Diet Pepsi, oh, Crisco, oh, which is yes. like seed oil, and they were pouring it over a light salad. They had uh, ground beef, they call it, like mince, mm-hmm. that was like proud, proudly saying 10% less fat than the FDA's approved stuff. All of it was like high, uh, highly refined carbohydrates, yes. low fat, and, and it's fat. like no wonder everyone follows America's lead in the Western world. Yes, yes. And look at where we are now. So and scratch beneath the surface and and really dig deep and and assume that not everyone knows everything. Because guess what? No, and I always, you know, whenever I get uh, sent studies or research papers, it's just like, yeah, I want to know who paid for it. Where was the funding? Because, you know, fat and meat have been vilified and it's still being vilified. And, again, you're on point. You've got to scratch beneath what you hear and and, and follow the people that are living this day in, day out. And what do they look like? Correct. How healthy do they look? Like um, Charlene Anderson, 20-plus-year carnivore. You know, Kelly Hogan. Like these people are like bouncing in their lives like they are the most healthiest looking human beings but then if we look at you know the Eskimos and we look at the Inuits and look at their lifestyles are they fully diabetic are they you know living with cancer no well unfortunately the newer ones are but um, when you you talk back at the you know early last century but when you introduce that western diet and that really outdated pyramid um, you know, like I was horrified when um, a client of mine, her son was told that he could eat Milo cereal for breakfast because it had protein in it. I'm like, well, hold on, the grains are actually going to stop any absorption, but how about let's look at the 26 grams of sugar that that child is actually filling himself with to go to school. Then there's bread rolls and there's, um, you know, all different types of muesli bars and all of those type of things full of seed oils and just full of sugar. 
One thing I'll say is that if you ask me what any negative, and I would agree with you, there, there really isn't any at all. Mm. One thing I would say that's just come to mind is learning that we have been systematically misled yes. Yes. is quite tough to take in its early phase, but knowledge is power. Given your psychotherapy background, mm. what are some techniques and some tips that you can use to help people deal with the fact that when they learn about this and they go down their own pathway and figure it out, that a lot of their friends and family are going to tell them that they're wrong. Well, they're going to die. Or they're going to, yeah. <laughs> it, it's quite funny. Like, it comes up a lot. Um, but, again, I always say to people, it's your body, your life, and what goes on your plate and in your mouth is all about you. Now, if someone's going to get offended or triggered by you eating a steak, that's not your issue. That is them for to deal with. However, they're also coming from a space of not having the right knowledge. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it, 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 there's a lot of courage that needs to come up to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take control of my health and be empowered by doing something. And I always say to people, your body will always give you a direct response to every single thing that you eat. However, if you're fueling it with really bad nutrition, you don't know because you're in a fog the you're whole time. Fog, yeah. The minute that you start to take that out and the light comes on and you start fueling yourself with, you know, very small carbohydrates, say like, you know, cucumber and low carbs under, say, 20 or 50 grams, but have a high protein, your body doesn't lie. <laughs> and that's what I say to people. Step into the feeling of how it feels. So then when you go out, so it does come up a lot when people say, but what happens when you go out and want to eat? Well, I just go and order steak and eat from the animal kingdom. Like I don't have to have fries. But in saying that, you're a funny story. I went out the other night and I had a steak and I saw that it was coming out with sauce. And I said to the lady, oh, look, I don't want the sauce. I just want butter and I don't want the fries. She's like, okay. But then obviously that wasn't translated, so it all came out. And I said to the, oh, no, no, I don't want the sauce. I just want butter and I don't want the fries. Total, total <laughs> shock. Like, what? what? That's the best part. What? He asked me three times, you don't want the fries? I'm like, no, I don't want the fries, thanks, but I just want some butter. Oh, do you want the caper butter? I'm like, no, just butter with salt. Oh, Okay. Never been probably asked that no, in your life. No. But, again, it comes back to going, I know how I need to feel my body for my mental health, and it's the same when I work with anybody, right? And obviously being carnivore and being low carb, if you get out of your body's way, your body will lose weight. Absolutely no brainer, right, because your insulin's down, and that's half the issue. When you get out of your body's way and realise, well, hold on, um, my mental health must come first. So when people say to me, look, I really, really want to use weight and I've heard that, you know, this way of life makes you do that, I'm like, yeah, well, that's great. But I want you to put your value on your mental health, not your weight, because that will be a side effect of eating a very dense, high society way of life. So it's not a diet. I even don't like the word carnivore diet because I've always said to people, diets are don't work. So the way of life being a carnivore is um, just going back to caveman days. That's who we are. It's it. And it, again, it's it's like it's not life-centered. You can choose to be on this for as long as you like. Oh, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it, the reason it's so effective is because you allow your gut to heal. 
Yes. And, and, and your whole body. Plus, plus everything else, right? Yeah. But it all starts with, particularly with any autoimmune issues. Yeah. And then you can choose to reintroduce yes. whenever you like. But what, what happens <laughs> is that you bring something back in. You know, I tried to reintroduce sweet potato at some point. Mm. And first couple of days were great. I mixed it with loads of butter. Like, and I make damn good mash, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and then I just started feeling nausea. Mm, yeah. I thought it was the butter. Turns out it wasn't butter. Turns out it was that. And, and it makes sense because sweet potato, even organic stuff's really high in a lot of anti-nutrients. It is. It and is. I think some people might say, yeah, but you're becoming super sensitive to the, you know, because you're not eating them all the time. And, and it's your body becomes really dialed into what serves it well, doesn't it? 100%. And anything to do with the, you know, there's nine amino acids that you need um, for your neurotransmitters to fire. So guess where they're only found? In steak, in meat. It's not by accident that us humans need that. Um, and, you know, it's so powerful to understand that you can reintroduce. It's not dogma. It's it's just about you getting back in tune and listening to your body. And you can't do that until you take out all the rubbish. Then you're, and that's the power of, I think, of just this way of eating, you are so, so aligned, it's frightening sometimes. And I've had clients that have gone through the process. I've got a client right now. He's got one kidney. He um, went keto for a long, long time. Kidney pain, lots of vegetables, uh, wasn't losing, you know, the weight that he wanted to lose. He lost a little bit in the beginning. Um, kind of heard about my journey and he just said, you know, what about what can I do? And I'm like, great, yeah, you've got one kidney, it's fine. The whole protein thing of hurting your kidneys is a myth. It doesn't doesn't exist. Um, ask who pays for that story. Check into that. Um, so he's now been a carnivore for nearly six months. Kidney pain's gone. His his bloods are phenomenal. His kidney is um, working better than it ever has before, and he's literally lost over twenty kilos. And it's not not even trying. And and that weight loss is like you've got to remember the body rebuilds muscle really quickly when you're feeding it the right amount of protein and fats. Protein synthesis it has to work that way. So and and so even though he's lost twenty kilos, he might have lost thirty kilos and put on. Well, let's say it's twenty five and yes. put on five kilos of lean. Yes. Given well, I lost sixty pounds of body fat through DEXA scan put on 25 pounds of muscle yes as as a runner as Correct. a catabolic exercise and that's what you're saying yeah. you, you eat the protein it puts and i know myself like i've i've my whole body composition has changed i'm much much leaner but have i tried to do that no nope. i've just fueled my body and my body's just done exactly what it needs to do for pure optimal health now you're in, you are a good looking lady thank you all right are you okay to share with our audience how old you are yeah, I'm, I'm 49. 49, yeah. right, with the vigour and energy of, like, someone in their early 20s. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that struck me. And, and you know, for women especially, Anna, my, my darling films yeah. I talk about, she eats the same. No, I didn't tell her to do it. She just <laughs> saw saw how things were going for me. She's had really great success as well, yeah. getting blood work done and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, her stuff's, like, doing phenomenal well as well. Um, but women especially, like, 
you invest a lot of money on on beauty products and skincare to try and keep your youthful skin. Oh, Would wow. you recommend this for improving your complexion? My skin has gone through the roof, but also I've got a little side project now that just, you know, being um, this way of eating and, and understanding how powerful fat is, I'm actually in works of designing my own um, skincare with, with tallow. Wow. Yeah, because I've just... Um, been experimenting on my own face, <laughs> obviously, um, before I send it out to the to the public. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like lip balms to start with, and and skincare um, because tallow is just full, full of nutrients for your skin. And I've tried everything that I could possibly put my money to, and my skin is just phenomenal eating this way and just obviously, you know, my little experiment. And for those watching this, this is filmed in 4K, so you better zoom in on every nook and cranny and uh, make your own conclusion. But yeah. I'm all right for nearly 50. I, I, I think most people would be impressed if they could look, you know, in your condition for this age. And what's what I think is likely to happen, because you've only been doing this for a year, mm. I think you'll do that Benjamin Button effect because I have absolutely regressed in, in my age over the last three years oh, of doing this. Absolutely. Like even people who know me really well, um, they're just like, whoa, like what are you doing? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is what I'm doing. And I've even had a girlfriend who actually is a recovering vegan. Um, she's just flying now. Wow. Eating this way. Like just and, and like you were saying before, she trains, so she weight trains, and she had her DEXA scan done, and her trainer's like, oh, my God, you've put on, like, all this this muscle. And she's like, yeah, I did that in COVID. That was from eating the way she's been eating. Amazing. I know, phenomenal. Natalie, uh, you, you're a busy woman. You've got some other side projects as well, which we won't go into <laughs> in this particular recording, but um, all will be revealed. Yes. How do people find you and, and connect with you? Yeah, so um, obviously on social. So uh, that's Natalie E. West. My website is www.natalieewest.com and Instagram is natalie.e.west and, and Facebook as well. So. What about the Carnival Psych? Ah, yes. So that's uh, on its way. So, yes, I do have two. So I've got my Natalie one, but I've also got the Carnival Psych. So I'm starting my own podcast and really interviewing these people who started me on my journey uh, and just um, wanting to spread the education and really from mental health point of what this is doing. And, you know, there's actually a young girl in the US. Um, I saw her story last week. Uh, she was in and out of psych wards for many, many, many years and 26 different medications um, and she's now off all of them and not been back in a psych ward since changing her way of eating. And now her psychiatrist is also looking into the fact of how powerful being um, a zero carb, um, what it's doing to people's minds and brains, which I think is phenomenal being a psychiatrist who's actually willing to look at his patient and go, hold on, what are you doing? Like, this is this is this is not normal. And she's phenomenal. I can't wait to have her on. Well, we maybe we need to get you Dr. Chris Palmer as well, Associate yes. Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical, spoke about Dr. George Reed. Um, and Dr. we by the time this comes out, the uh, interview with Amber O'Hearn will be live as well. So uh, Amber O'Hearn, and the links will be in, in below, but there's a 22-year 
uh, 12 of those was keto and then went carnivore and put her uh, type 2 bipolar disorder, which is the one that's untreatable with medication, into full remission. And she's been carnivore for 10 years. Extraordinary story. Extraordinary. And you know what? As you said earlier, hearing these things, you kind of think, wow, that's just one out of, I don't know, say 5,000. It's actually not um, because I also am um, being certified through Dr. Sean Baker's um, carnival coaching program. So, you know, I get access into the back of seeing all of these amazing success stories and, you know, Amber's story and um, all of them, like even with, you know, IBS and just all these autoimmune diseases that are basically being healed and and put into remission because the body's actually being given the right environment. And I know even Bruce Lipton talks about this a lot as well. When you give the body the right environment, both physically and mentally, uh, it it does what it needs to do. Um, Yeah, it's phenomenal. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? No, I just want to thank you. Like, as I know, um, when we first spoke on the phone, I... I immediately disconnected. I'm like, I think, have we met before? It was just the most phenomenal connection. And, you know, as we said, Martin, thank you. Um, But, again, you know, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and um, collectively just, you know, trying to help people find real, true information from people. Um, You know, the guests that you've also had is just phenomenal. So thank you for including me in that little bunch. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's the least I could do. And, and uh, thank you for your kind words. I think my my MO is probably very similar to yours. I mean, I, I just, I want people to have the information that's truthful so that they can make their own informed decision. Absolutely. And, and there's no other purpose. That's it. No. That's all I want. Yeah. It's been... Uh, a long time coming having you on the show I want to thank you for your for your honest sharing it's been an absolute delight ladies and gentlemen Natalie E. West thank you it's Laban Ditchburn and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast the reason for this message was this if you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.